2: Welcome to the Roto-World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. This is our first episode of the 2017 regular season. Uh, Drew Silva is away this week, so I'm joined here by Ryan Boyer. Ryan, how are you enjoying the first week of the season, man? Good to have you here.
3: I'm enjoying it, other than all the rainouts. Trying to keep track of those, but right it seems like the first couple of weeks of the season pretty consistently here. Seeing a bunch of rainouts felt particularly bad for White Sox and Tigers fans. Had a rainout on opening day and on Wednesday as well. You're waiting that long for baseball, and then you play what one game in four days if you include Sunday. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite cool. the tease uh, to start the yeah. year. Um, we actually started this podcast last May, so we missed the beginning of the year last year. So, I always feel like the beginning of the season is so weird. Like the first week or two is really removed from what the regular season is actually like.
3: Yeah, you gotta kinda settle in a little bit. Plus the you you have the off day, like after opening day, and it's just like you aren't it almost feels like you're restarting the season again that for that second game. It's just kind of a weird vibe. But
2: Yeah, and, and in the off season, kind of talking about how we do our jobs, we can look back at the previous year for evaluation purposes but you have to be so careful not to look too much into what you're seeing right now since it's just really a snippet of information and right i think the long layoff from actually seeing games and then there's you just suddenly get a blast of all these regular season games and there's this recency bias that can kind of spring in your head um, from opening week so it can really lead you in weird directions so i just recommend you know certainly making moves where you have to in your fantasy league right now but also just to sit back and watch things for a little bit um you know you drafted the great majority of the players you drafted for a reason and uh a few games or a couple of games whatever we're at right now shouldn't change things dramatically at all
3: yeah you got to have conviction on what you did at the at the draft table i mean you can't we're talking about the first week of the season you can't Unless you see, I think there are exceptions, maybe if you see a pitcher's velocity is like way down the first couple of starts, then you can read a little more into that, but just pure based on numbers for a few games, you got to, you know, take it with a grain of salt.
2: For sure. Um, anyway, before we get into things here, just a quick plug, remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, we're also available on Spotify. Google Play, Audio Boom, a bunch of other places, and if you listen on iTunes, two other ways you can help us is to rate and review. Uh, It makes a big difference, so anything you can do to help us there would be much appreciated. Uh, Okay, so I think we should probably start off here talking about closer situations around the game, which sort of uh, maybe the most actionable thing this week to do for fantasy owners uh, in this first week and uh we'll begin here with the texas rangers and what the heck is going on with sam dyson uh i think when we did our yahoo friends and family draft recap show i think that was a couple of weeks ago maybe three weeks ago uh i was saying i drafted dyson but i sort of hated it and i really hate it right now <laughs> uh, after giving up three runs uh and taking a loss on opening day Uh, He gave up a uh, Dyson, gave up a go ahead and grand slam to Francisco Lindor and took the blown save uh, Wednesday night has now allowed eight runs on seven hits and two walks through his first two appearances. Uh, Rangers manager Jeff Bannister said after the game that this is a guy that's been really good for us. I'm not going to jump off after two games. And that's probably how it should be. Um, But I'm sure Rangers fans are feeling a sense of deja vu right now with the way things went down with Sean Tollison in the early part of last season. Um, And I guess Matt Bush would be the stash here in fantasy leagues. If you, you know, if you really want to speculate on this situation, Um, sort of looks like the heir apparent closer eventually, Uh, of course, served a prison sentence, made his way back to the majors last season and pitched really well. two four eight ERA and 58 appearances 61 strikeouts and 14 walks in 61 and two thirds innings Um, so yeah he's probably the one to speculate on uh, in this situation but it's still super early
3: yeah and they have Jeremy Jeffress there as well uh, who has closer experience and it's pretty good reliever himself I I mean I ultimately think Dyson's probably going to be fine but he's might not be good enough still to keep that job Mm -hmm. i mean he's a really good reliever but probably maybe the third or fourth best reliever in that bullpen so and i i think i think bush is definitely the guy to speculate on and the most talented guy in that bullpen and you know jefferson as i mentioned has the the closer history but i think it's pretty clear that bush would be the guy to get the first shot
2: so yeah, if if you have Dyson, it's it's definitely smart to to get the handcuff here early, uh, if you still can. Um and if you're short on saves, feel free to speculate on this situation. But uh like you said, Ryan, I think uh Dyson will get an opportunity to straighten things out here, uh probably for sure. Um given what he did the past couple of years. Um Let's move on to the athletics. And uh, that was a messy situation to track all spring. And I'm not sure we're any closer to an answer here now. Um, Santiago Casilla got a late start on the spring and, and didn't pitch all that well in Cactus League action. He's pretty bad, actually. Um, but he got the first save chance this week. Um, and then Ryan Dull got the call the next night against the Angels, but gave up a three-run homer to Danny Espinosa to blow a save um it's only one appearance um, but with such a crowded field here of relievers in this bullpen I think an appearance like that could dictate the way that Bob Melvin utilizes the back end of this bullpen in the short term and as we often see in these kind of situations whoever gets hot early strings together a few saves uh could run away with this job
3: yeah I think Melvin the word he used was in spring training, what is that the situation was going to be fluid, and obviously that's been the case early on. I was surprised that it was uh, it was dull to get the second the second chance. I, I think he might be the best reliever in that bullpen. I
2: agree. But
3: he's the youngest guy, and you know the A's is a cost-conscious organization, or trying to keep costs down for arbitration. So I kind of figured he would be you know, stay in a setup role and. Ultimately, I still think he's probably fourth in line. I would, I would probably put Casilla at the top, and then Madsen second, and maybe Doolittle third. You could probably interchange Doolittle and and Dull, but I guess Casilla, in, in part, maybe because Dull pitched because Casilla wasn't available apparently, yeah. Melvin said. So I guess he's not ready to use him on back-to-back days at this point. But you know. As you mentioned, Casilla had a bad spring, so it was a little surprising that he was the first call. But, And I know he flamed out late in the year in San Francisco last year, but his numbers actually were pretty decent. They were so, good. Yeah, so I think he could probably be fine in the role if he's given the chance and to run with it, but it's, it still seems pretty up in the air at this point.
2: Well, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, uh, so the Athletics and Angels are playing right now. Casilla uh, just pitched the eighth inning, the uh, – Okay. A, the A's were up by four runs at the time. Uh, hmm. they're, they're still up by four runs. Uh, it's the ninth inning right now, and Sean Doolittle is pitching again. Not a save situation, um, but Casilla pitching the eighth. So I think uh, I think Casilla or Madsen are probably going to get the great majority of the chances here. But I think it's going to continue to be a headache uh, for a little while.
3: So, yeah, I agree.
2: Um, we also have the Phillies situation we should get into here. Jenmar uh, Gomez had a brutal finish.
3: Speaking of headaches.
2: Yes, <laughs> speaking of headaches for sure. Had <laughs> a brutal finish last year. Uh, this was really terrible down the stretch. Lost his closer job um, down the stretch last year and has never really fit the mold of a typical closer. I think we were all waiting for the wheels to come off last year. Um, but Pete McCannon threw his support behind Gomez toward the end of spring training this year with the intention of using him as their closer once again. And uh, Gomez managed to escape with a save in his first appearance on opening day against the Reds, but gave up a homer to Scooter Jeanette along the way. Wasn't exactly a smooth appearance there. And it was sort of telling after the game to hear McCannon say that he's concerned about the situation. So, my question to you is how long do you think Gomez ends up keeping this job? Like, May 1, is he still the closer for this team?
3: Uh, I, I thought you were going to ask this weekend, is he still... <laughs> <to it? laughs> no, I'll, I'll definitely take before May 1st. Okay. I mean, it's it's not... It's a pretty telling comment when... I mean, he actually did get the save Monday. It wasn't pretty. Yeah. But he did get the save, and yet the manager, you know, basically says he's concerned, and he's not like getting the ball on the ground as he did when he was pitching well last year so. You know, McCannon backed him in spring tree, but this looks like a situation where he's ready to make a move. I mean, Hector Naris is the most talented guy in that bullpen. And if I were to guess, I would think he would probably get the first shot if, if and when uh, McCannon moves on from Gomez. But the Phillies also have arbitration costs to think about. Yep. And they have Joaquin Benoit locked in at a price. And sometimes, managers especially with younger guys too just like if a guy's doing well in a setup role they kind of like to just keep him in that role so i don't know i i would put naris on top as far as that goes but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if mechanic goes with benoit
2: yeah i feel the same way um not as cost conscious as the athletics but still you know, if you want to keep Naris's price down in arbitration, maybe you keep him in a high leverage role in the eighth inning where he can still be really useful. He's just not getting saves. Um, we saw what he did last year 102 strikeouts and 80 and a third innings. Uh, had a 2.58 ERA. Um, he can have standalone value even, even if he's not getting saves in fantasy leagues. Um, but certainly he would be the first name I'd stash right now just because you can still get those strikeouts. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me the least if Benoit was the guy. Um, but this was a situation, you know, in fantasy drafts, I think Gomez was probably the closer I wanted the least. Maybe Brandon Kinsler might be close, right. right? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never really felt secure about him. So I, I would anticipate like if you have Go- Gomez right now, you know, have a be- have a backup plan at the ready for sure. Yeah, um, you know,
3: and, and all the mock drafts we did, I feel like Neris might have gone actually ahead of Gomez and most think that's of them. True, yeah. So this it certainly is not coming as a pr- surprise at all.
2: Right. Um, so any other closer situations you wanted to mention here?
3: Yeah, I kind of keep an eye on the Angels situation. Uh, Mike Sosha kind of raised a few eyebrows earlier this week, I guess, when he failed to uh, anoint Cam Bedrosian as the closer while Houston Street is out.
2: That was a little weird.
3: Yeah, and, you know, Bedrosian, he did get the first save chance, though. And I, I think the Sosha kind of holding back was more about Street than it was Bedrosian. Because hmm. I think he probably wants to give Street back his job once he's healthy. And Street got the first save chance. And Bedrosian was their best, or excuse me, Bedrosian got the first save chance. Bedrosian was their best reliever last year. He was their best reliever in spring training, you know, and he's still their best reliever. And Sosha knows that. You know, he might. It, it might be a cost thing as well to keep his cost down if he wants to give the job back to Street eventually. But Bedrosian has been kind of seen as the closer of the future there for a while, and I think the best case scenario is he just pitches so well in April that. He kind of takes the decision out of Sosha's hands. I mean, Street is—I guess he's throwing again, but he's probably still like a month or so away, I would guess. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Bedrosian's going to have a little time to to prove himself, and certainly wouldn't surprise me if he does because he's the best guy in that bullpen.
2: Yeah, I have this feeling in my gut that Houston Street's going to get another shot at getting his job back. Um, But I'm trying to ignore those feelings right now. Uh, (laughs) uh, Bedrosian, I mean, he's really good, uh, and he's the future in that bullpen. Uh, I hope he gets a chance to run away with the gig, but uh, I just have a feeling Street's going to get an opportunity there. Um, We should probably mention uh, Blake Trinan. Uh, Dusty Baker uh, finally made his choice uh, late in spring training, surprised some folks with his, his choice of Trinan. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch him, uh, in his most recent appearance, uh, Wednesday night, but I did on opening day and he looked really nasty. Uh, I think he had some adrenaline going, uh, but really, uh, the velocity, the movement, I mean, he looked like someone who, who could find a home in the, in the ninth inning for sure.
3: Yeah. He's got kind of, uh, uh, Zach Britton from the right side kind of sinker. He yeah. throws it really hard and just a ton of movement. And he threw he threw some really nasty sliders too. I think it was Justin Bohr that he struck out with a with the slider, and you know, at the time I said I he probably would have been my third choice of the options for the ninth inning just because I think he could be maybe more of a weapon in the seventh and eighth to escape jams. But Trinan is definitely good enough to keep that job certainly.
2: Um, Greg Holland with the Rockies, uh, he now leads the majors with three saves uh, (laughs) to start the year. Uh, Just just notched another save uh, Thursday afternoon against the Brewers. Has looked pretty good. Um, Velocity still trending up um, pretty close to where he was when we last saw him in 2015. Um, So that's a really good sign. Um, I believe I saw Rockies manager Bud Black say that they intend to be careful with him. Uh, of course, he is coming back uh, from Tommy John surgery, so maybe he loses a save chance or two in the early part of the year. Maybe they're not going to do too many back-to-back appearances with him, but all in all, things are looking really good with him.
3: Yeah, the the velocity is super encouraging. The, like, the appearance that I saw him, I didn't see the trademark slider come out yet. Uh, maybe today he broke that out, but... You know, obviously he hasn't pitched in cores yet, so we'll see how he tries to tame that beast. But definitely encouraging. I was a little surprised that he was given the job right from the jump. I figured they would kind of ease him in, let out out of, you know, close for a while. But, yeah, like you said, so far so good.
2: Uh, I should also mention Roberto uh, Asuna. Uh, Definitely surprised to see him land on the disabled list to begin the year with a neck injury. But good news is not considered major uh, sounds like he'll be back when he's first eligible, which I believe is April 11th, so only five days away. I think he might pitch in a minor league game over the weekend, but all indications are he'll be back next week, so uh, maybe Jason Grilly or Joe genie gets a save chance or two over the next few days, but no big deal there.
3: Yeah, if you're looking to pick up a maybe a stray save or two this weekend, you can take a shot, but... And I think probably Grilly will get it, get the chance. He gave up a walk off home run to, to Mark Trumbo, but that was an extra innings in a tie game and he'll probably get the first shot. But like you said, it's, you know, he might only get one or two save chances at most. So.
2: Right. Um, so I wanted to get into just general players of note from the first week. Again, it's really hard to evaluate players. when we only have a few games worth of information. Some, some teams have only played two games so far, uh, so we're recording this early Thursday evening, so not a lot to go on, um, but I'll start out with one player I, I led with in waiver Wired on Thursday, and in case you aren't familiar, it's my weekly column that I do during the regular season. I recommend players who are widely available on the waiver wire in Fantasy League, so I'm going to start out with new Brewers third baseman Travis Shaw. Of course, he was acquired from the Red Sox over the winter as part of that Tyler Thornburg deal. Still owned in under 50% of Yahoo leagues, but if he keeps up what he's doing so far, that probably won't be the, be the case much longer, I, I suspect. Um, I don't want to overanalyze the numbers so far, but I look at the situation here and I see the potential for a breakthrough. Uh, you know, hitting right in the middle of that lineup. Uh, I think he's hit cleanup three times already. Um, Miller Park being the best ballpark in the majors for left handed power hitters. Uh, I think there's definitely a question about what Shaw can do against lefties, uh, struggle against them last year with the Red Sox, but I was into him in drafts this spring, um, sort of more as a corner infielder for sure. Uh, but again, in this lineup, in this, situa- in this situation, I think there's the upside for more.
3: Yeah, like you mentioned, I, I think Hernan Perez will probably end up getting uh, most of the bats at, at third base against lefties, but... You know, Shaw is obviously going to play against righties. He's hitting the middle of that lineup. It's just a really great situation. It's He obviously has raw power, and Miller Park's going to cater really well to that power. Mm-hmm. 20 plus home runs, I would be surprised. I would definitely take the over on that. Yep. So.
2: Um, any names you're thinking about?
3: Dylan Bundy looks really good against the Blue Jays on Wednesday. Uh, seven innings, one run, four hits, no walks, eight strikeouts. He threw the slider thir- almost 30% of the time Wednesday, which
1: hmm.
3: is a jump from 0% of the time from yeah. last year. He completely scrapped it, you know, basically cuz he missed so much time, just wanted to give him a better, better chance of staying healthy, but that looked like a really nasty pitch for him. You know, last season he after he moved into the rotation, he was really good, often the first time through the order and not surprisingly started having issues second, third time through the order for a guy who's had such a long layoff. That's certainly no surprise. But, and he's in the AL East at Camden Yards, not, you know, marks in his favor in that regard, but the guy's stuff is really good. And he's also going to have the innings limit. We had to mention that too, but I don't know. Bundy just looked so good. So I'm going to take, I'm just going to take the, you know, 140, 150 innings that I might get for him this year. And I'll just be happy with what he's going to give.
2: Yeah, I didn't get to watch his start last night because I was at childbirth education class. (laughs) Uh, Hey, there you go. Expecting a baby here in the next six weeks or so. But uh, I did see the highlights uh, when I came home, and it makes me just happy to see him doing well. uh, No doubt. After the long layoff he had. But as you mentioned, you know, pitching in the AL East, in that ballpark, uh, that's tough uh, for sure. And, you know, the injury history, you have to wonder how far the Orioles will push him um but again he looked really good and you know if he's out there certainly take a chance on him i just think he's a wild card i I don't know what you're gonna get from him for the full year i have no idea um but definitely really exciting uh to see him pitching and pitching well um i should probably mention yasiel puig here too um homer in wednesday's win over the padres before going deep twice on thursday afternoon um I don't know what he's done since then, but i should uh, I should note that the two Hummers are against Jared Weaver, so uh, <laughs> we're talking eighty five mile per hour fastball here uh still accounts all the same. Um, ha- fantasy owners will happily uh take that for sure um and and nice to see Puig doing something here to begin the year I, I actually I loved a quote that Puig gave to Andy McCullough of the Los Angeles Times this week. He said, "I'm thinking about hitting the ball in the air." or else there's going to be no money in my pocket. <laughs> and
3: then he, and then he ended with Puig, your friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, that's pretty brilliant. But, I mean, as we've seen over the past year, that seems to be the mindset with a lot of hitters right now, just trying to elevate the ball. Um, by the way, Puig hit seventh on Thursday. Um, he was eighth on opening day and on Wednesday night. He was fifth Tuesday night against lefty Clayton Richard, which makes sense. Um so still not in an ideal spot in the Dodgers order, but he can obviously earn his way to a more favorable spot uh, if he continues to produce uh He's definitely an enigma, but a ton of upside here and I should say his average draft position in Yahoo leagues this spring was two seventeen point three well yeah.
3: yeah yeah i was i was admittedly one of the guys that was down on week going into to draft season i mean. He hasn't been very good or healthy for two years. Spent some time in the minors and, you know, the Dodgers have options in that outfield. So I think there was definitely a scenario to where he, he could get off to a really bad start and be on the bench. But mm. obviously this is the opposite of that. So, I mean, good for him. I, I really do hope it, hope it holds up, but we'll see.
2: Yep. Uh, anybody else you're sticking out to you right now? Uh,
3: Brandon Finnegan – was really, really good against the Phillies. Uh, seven innings of shut up ball, just one hit and one walk and nine strikeouts. Hmm. Um, threw sixteen changeups and the changeup is kind of a a story with him. Dan Straley actually taught him his change up last year. He started to have more faith of it, more faith in it as the year went along. And in the last seven starts of last season he had a 1.93 ERA with 47 strikeouts and 37 in the third innings and that 16 changeups is about 20% so that's about what he was down the stretch last year too so i mean if if that has become a weapon for him to get righties out he's that he's really had home run issues so and control issues as well and obviously he's not in the best park if you're getting giving up home runs and but, you know, I think he's a, a guy with some upside. He's still like 23 years old. And if that is a new weapon for him to really use, that change up, he's got plus velocity for a lefty. He's certainly a guy who's – you can basically get him for free at the end of your draft or you could. And now you can get him on a lot of waiver wires. But. He's certainly a guy that I'm considering picking up actually did in one of our leagues this morning.
2: Yeah. He's, he was quietly really good in the second half last year, had a two nine three ERA with, uh, I believe over a strikeout per inning. But as you said, the walks and the home runs uh, can sort of pile up on him at times and has the tough ballpark. Um, but I mean, he has a decent offense behind him too. So there's that going for him. Um, but yeah, I think he's an intriguing uh, name on the waiver wire. I think it's, too soon to freak out about anybody but uh is there anybody you're a little bit worried about
3: well i think we have to mention byron buxton i mean paul Moller decided to put him in the three spot in the lineup which seems super encouraging but first three games he's one for 14 seven strikeouts and one walk Hmm. and uh nick nelson who does some freelance stuff for us. And he's also a big twins fan. So I'm sure he's seen every pitch of theirs so far this year. And he tweeted out today that Buxton just looks completely overmatched and lost at the plate right now. And I think that's actually probably more important than his actual numbers from the first three games, just how he's looking and his at-bats. And I don't know, that's, it's pretty discouraging. Uh, You know, if you believed in Buxton this spring and drafts, you're not going to bail on him after three games but at the very least, I could see him definitely moving down in the order now. He batted ninth for a lot of the time last year, and maybe he doesn't move all the way down to the ninth spot, but I could definitely see him moving to the bottom third of the order soon.
2: Well, strikeouts, I think, are going to be part of the deal with him, unfortunately. Um, Struck out in 35.6% of his plate appearances last year, and even when he was on a tear down the stretch last year, just pile up a ton of extra base hits down the stretch uh, and finally hit for power. Uh, He struck out a ton even then. Um, But the, I mean, I I just hope the twins leave him alone and let him play. I mean, even if they do stick him in the ninth spot in the order, just let him play. Um, I don't think there's any point in really messing around with him unless it's like gets to the point where it's like embarrassing uh, and to save a little pride uh, to send him down or something like that. But um, yeah, I hope he just, I hope they just let him play. He adds value with his defense in center field. So I think it's too soon to panic for fantasy owners. And hopefully we'll see something good here with him in, a, in the next few days. Um, but yeah, the strikeouts are, are just part of the deal with him, unfortunately. So uh, the batting average, probably not going to be there. But you have to hope the power that we saw down the stretch last year sticks a little bit. And he obviously has the speed to be an impact player. So um, I, too soon to give up on him. But yeah, the strikeouts are a concern.
3: The good news is the Twins don't really have any other options in center field. I That's mean, true. They're not really going to go back to the Danny Santana experiment, are they? So I, I do think they'll let Buxton, Buxton Seeker swim. And like I said, way too soon to give up on this guy.
2: Uh, I wanted to mention Charlie Morton here for a second. He uh, was another one of the players I mentioned in Waiver Wire today. Had a great spring with the Astros, really retained that velocity that he showed with the Phillies early last season, Uh, went down with a severe hamstring injury, I believe it was in mid-April, and missed the rest of the year. Um, He made his season debut Wednesday against the Mariners, uh, up up against James Paxton, another pitcher I really like. Morton gave up two runs on five hits and two walks in six innings, uh, struck out four batters, had 12 swinging strikes in his 90 pitches. Averaged 95 miles per hour with the fastball. Really nice and easy. I did manage to watch a couple of innings of that start. I feel like Morton is someone who's teased us a lot over the years. Always looked to be on the verge of a breakout. Um, But I really like what I saw. I'm not thinking he's going to be a fantasy ace or anything like that. Um, But certainly someone who can help on a mixed league staff. Um, What are you thinking on him right now?
3: Yeah, I mean, if the velocity holds, he's always been a guy who gets ground balls mm-hmm. and if he's going to consistently throw 95 96 he becomes super intriguing you mentioned that he's kind of a guy that's popped up every now and then in the past remember when he like completely tried to mimic Roy Halladay's delivery oh, yeah. and he was he was awesome for like a month and then he kind of went back to mediocrity mm-hmm. but you know that very well could happen with him I mean obviously the career numbers aren't great and he's like 33 or something so but if the velocity holds, he becomes a really intriguing guy
2: yeah i'm speaking of the astros uh we should uh probably mention lance mccullers and dallas keichel uh both looked really good uh in their returns this week their season debuts uh great sign for the astros i I really thought the astros needed to add a big time starting pitcher this winter you know whether it's chris archer jose quintana name like that Um, but to see these performances from mccullers and keichel uh and then Uh, Charlie Morton, what he's doing, uh, the upside that he's potentially showing. uh, Things are looking good for that team.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's all about health with McCullers. You know, he had the shoulder and elbow elbow issues last season. Throws a ton of curveballs, but, I mean, there's a reason he does. It's because it's one of the nastiest pitches in the game. But, you know, he's not the biggest guy. Throws a lot of curveballs. Has big velocity in general. And... I really have doubts about his ability to hold up mm-hmm. over the lo- over the long haul, but I mean he's going to be awesome when the, the innings you do get from him. So uh, Keiko I really didn't know what to do with him in drafts this spring. Me like, he mentioned that the shoulder issues were actually you know giving him problems all year last year. Mm-hmm. And on one hand it's kind of encouraging because you have an excuse for why he wasn't that great. But on the other hand, you know, shoulder issues can easily pop up again. So, And it didn't really seem like he was coming at that great of a discount, so I, I didn't end up with him in any of my leagues. But you know, seven shutout innings, two hits against the Mariners, it's, it's super encouraging for a stouting. So hopefully the shoulder issues are behind him. I guess it remains to be seen.
2: Yeah, I would take something between his Cy Young season and what we saw last year. That's kind of where I'm expecting him to be. which isn't going going to be great, probably in line with his average draft position, which I think uh, was somewhere in the 150 range or something like that uh, in drafts this year. And that sounds about right for what production he might provide, but we'll have to see how he does. Uh, Another pitcher I was interested to see this week, Steven Strasburg, coming back from that torn pronator tendon, which ended his season early last year. Looked good opening day against the Marlins, only three strikeouts in seven innings, but gave up just two runs, didn't walk a batter, interestingly pitched exclusively out of the stretch he did that during the spring as well but it's something he intends to do all year uh the thing that stuck out to me was the fastball velocity uh, was better than anything we saw all of last year so all positives coming out of that outing but i want to jump to garrett richards um another hard thrower uh, of course, he was diagnosed with a torn ulnar collateral ligament last year in his elbow, uh, but he opted for rehab and rest over Tommy John surgery, went through stem cell treatment. So he's really a fascinating story to follow leading into the spring. Didn't miss a beat as far as his velocity during uh, Cactus League action and started out strong in his season debut Wednesday against the Athletics. I was watching that game, uh, held them scoreless through four and two thirds innings before leaving the game. Uh, with injury Uh, he's pointing to his arm and of course you immediately start thinking about the ucl when you see that sort of thing but uh, word is that he left with a biceps cramp and that his exit was precautionary so no plans for an mri at least right now Uh, we'll see what happens in the next day or so Uh, so hopefully it's nothing i really like watching him pitch Uh, according to brooks baseball he averaged uh, richards averaged right around 96 miles per hour at the fastball topped out at 98 miles per hour Right around 90 miles per hour with a slider, topped out at 92.3 miles per hour there. Just really nasty stuff. Uh, so hopefully that's nothing.
3: Yeah, we'll hope so. I I generally try to avoid those, you know, guys coming back from when they try to heal the UCL with a PRP injection. But I hear you. but you know, Richards did f- fall far in drafts, and if you are just outright going to avoid those guys, then that would have meant you missed out on. But Tanaka the last couple of years sure. he's made he's managed to hold up so it's it's really completely unpredictable, but I'm with you he's he's really fun to watch so i de- I definitely hope he holds up
2: yeah and I can't see the angels going very far if if he goes down early in the season. I think they can be an interesting team this year, but we'll see um okay, so just wanted to finish off the show here by asking about any matchups you're eager to see over the weekend
3: a uh, couple guys they're actually not uh, matched up anymore because one of them was moved up a day, but a couple guys I want to pit uh, watch pitch this weekend are uh, Mike Fultonavich and Tyler Glassnow. In some respects, I think they're kind of similar. They're kind of stuff guys right now that really need to find command to take that next step. And Fultonavich showed kind of glimpses of that down the stretch last year. He started throwing the change up more having more success with it. He had a really good spring. And Glass now won the number five spot in the rotation. Obviously the upside with him is huge. He's been, you know, a, a top pitching prospect for a while now. But he's always walked a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of in the wait and see mode with both of those guys, but it also makes me wanna wanna check out their starts this weekend. Uh
2: for me I, I can't include Matt Harvey because he's pitching Thursday night, uh weather permitting. It does look like the game will be played. Um but so I'll start out by saying Zach Wheeler uh, Friday against the Marlins uh, be his first start in the majors since 2014. Um, and with Steven Matz and Seth Lugo sideline for a while, they really need to get him on track uh, and keep him healthy in that rotation. And he is going to have an innings limit this year. Um, but with those guys sideline, it's really important that uh, he picks up sort of from where he left off before the injury. Um, Aaron Nola goes uh, against the Nationals on Saturday. I have high hopes for him this year. Of course, he went completely off the rails uh, last summer before being shut down with an elbow injury. Uh, Didn't have the best spring, uh, but the velocity's been pretty good and uh, haven't heard anything about the elbow, so that's been good news. Um, And I guess I'm interested to see how Tanaka bounces back uh, from his rough opening day start against the Rays. He gets the Orioles on Saturday. Um, Last one for me, Noah Syndergaard. Uh, coming back from that blister he had opening day, he's currently lined up to pitch on Sunday uh, against the Marlins. Anything else?
3: Um, I think that's about it for me.
2: Cool. Uh, so that will do it for this week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can always email rotoworldbaseballpod at com. Again, the email address is rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com any feedback fantasy questions uh get in touch with us there we're going to try to do some questions next week uh you can follow me on twitter at dj short ryan is on twitter at ryan p boyer and we'll see you next time